0: We think of particle accelerators as huge, shining tunnels buried under mountains along the Swiss-French border. Everything is modern, gleaming, digital. But it wasn't always that way. Imagine instead a steampunk particle accelerator, filled with capacitors and diodes, wires everywhere. There's even a car battery and bits of petrol pumps in there. This, the Cockcroft Walton generator, was the technology first used to split the atom. While John Cockcroft kept an eye on the switches which powered up the accelerator, and pressed the button which sent a stream of protons towards lithium atoms producing helium nuclei and alpha particles, Ernest Walton crawled carefully over the electric cables strung about the laboratory to a small box about the size of a tea chest, where he crouched looking through a microscope. In this clip from a BBC documentary, Ernest Walton, a Trinity graduate born in Dungarvan, County Waterford, describes how the machine works.
1: Here we see the protons coming down, being speeded up as a result of a kind high voltage. They come down, strike lithium here, produce uh, two helium nuclei going in opposite directions. And this one coming out here strikes a fluorescent screen, and where it hits it, a, a tiny flash of light is produced, which you can see by looking through this microscope, and here is the observer's eye. The next thing I did was to get onto Cockcroft, who was doing some work with Kipizza at the time, and he came over. and. Uh, satisfied himself that these were genuine uh, scintillations by carrying out some experiments which I had carried out for myself previously before getting on to him. And we both agreed that this was a genuine effect. So he got on to Rutherford. And Rutherford came along Uh, very quickly. He was always quickly on the spot if people were getting results. And uh, we maneuvered him into the little hut He was a big man, uh, and uh, he got seated on the little stool and had a look at these scintillations. He didn't say anything at the time, and then he told us to shut down the whole apparatus. And he came out of the little hut and sat down on the laboratory stool, as his custom was when he wanted to talk. So he said something like this, those scintillations look mighty like alpha-particle scintillations. And he went on to say that he had been in at the birth of the alpha particle, and he'd been following them ever since, and that he ought to know an alpha particle scintillation when he saw them. Well, this was very cheerful news.
0: Walton's son Philip and British science journalist Brian Cathcart were two of the participants at an event held recently in DCU to mark the splitting of the atom. Afterwards, I spoke to Professor Cathcart. I'm here at the Helix in DCU with Brian Cathcart, the Professor of Journalism in Kingston University, author of Fly in the Cathedral, who gave a talk about Ernest Walton today. Today is the 13th of April, and tomorrow, 14th of April, marks the 80th anniversary of the splitting of the atom. First of all, Professor, uh, splitting the atom isn't quite accurate, you say. I wonder if you could expand on that and what exactly Walton and his colleagues achieved.
2: The scientists, and I'm not a scientist myself, the scientists call it the um, artificial disintegration of the nucleus. So first of all, the atom bit is wrong. The, the breakthrough was in breaking down the nucleus, which is the um, tiny uh, particle of, 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 of matter at the heart of, of every atom, which is mostly empty space. Um, uh, so the atom bit is, is, is uh, wrong, it should be nucleus, and the splitting bit isn't really very accurate. It's, what they had done was they had devised a machine that could break down the nucleus, um, rather than simply cleaving it in two, break it down and reveal its parts. So, for example, if we want to know how a radio works, we take it apart. Well, scientists needed to know how the nucleus worked, and they needed to be able to take it apart, what Cockcroft and Walton did in 1932 was to create a, a machine that would, the first of many machines, uh, that would break down the atom, break down the nucleus at the heart of the atom, so that they could reveal it. So splitting isn't strictly accurate, and atom isn't strictly accurate. It was a scientific shorthand, I suppose, at the time.
0: You also said during your lecture that news of this breakthrough wasn't intended to be made public originally. Ernest Rutherford, who was in charge of the project, wanted to wait until it was published in Science Journalist. Uh, he hoped a particular journalist he trusted to get the story right would cover it. But it leaked out and was broken by a tabloid, which quite upset Lord Rutherford.
2: Uh, it certainly did. I mean, he, he certainly wanted to publicise his achievement, but he wanted to control it. And he wanted the scientific paper published first, and then to be able to explain the paper so that in, in, in a sensible way. Unfortunately, um, from him, from his point of view, um, uh, somebody leaked it to a popular paper. A popular paper turned it into a uh, a rather, gave it a rather sensational treatment, front page headlines, science's greatest discovery, it was called, Um, and they got the idea that this was the key to um, unlocking the energy of the atom and we would all, frankly, be able to sit back <laughs> for eternity now because uh, science had given us limitless free energy. Um, of course, this was um, wrong and insofar as it had any element of truth was way ahead of it, uh, of events. So um, Rutherford was very cross about this because he thought that the the correct impressions about the experiment which were in themselves fundamental and, and exciting, uh, were lost in all this fuss about cheap energy and also about the risk that the world might blow up or um, that there might be a bomb. Or, um, uh, also, the, the idea that this was alchemy and you'd be able to turn tin into silver or, uh, or lead into gold um, at will with these machines, none of this was really accurate. Uh, so he was very disappointed, not to say angry, about what he called the drivel that was written in the papers.
0: And moving forward several years later, it wasn't until 1951 that Ernest Walton and his colleague were awarded the Nobel Prize. Uh, You described how the night he got the news, he was quite modest about it. He didn't even mention it to a friend who was having dinner with him. But you were also telling me that uh, you felt Walton himself was much too modest in his life, and the Irish people are much too modest about him.
2: I think that's true. I think on his side... Um, he was a, a, a very quiet, modest um, man. He was—he uh, certainly never sought the limelight or particularly enjoyed it. Um, I remember I wrote to him once, asking, "Could I come and interview him for a newspaper article?" And he said, "Oh, I, he didn't think, couldn't see any point in that. Why, why would anybody want to read about him? You know, this is a man who'd won a Nobel Prize." Um, and that was typical of him. And he did very little to foster his own reputation. Uh, to encourage people to believe, to recognise his, his his great achievement, um, I think um, I think it would be a good thing if if Ireland uh, could do a bit more to recognise him. Partly to recognise Ireland's... as a way of recognising Ireland's strength in science. Um, Irish people, as it were, know themselves as as perhaps artists and, um, uh, in particular, writers but uh, there are great Irish scientists, and, and uh, Ernest Walton happens to be the only one of them who has won a Nobel Prize for his work. Uh, he fully, fully deserved this prize. He is as qualified a Nobel Prize winner as you know anybody else. No, he's not Albert Einstein, but on the other hand, um, he was a full, complete participant in the um, process of, of, of this breakthrough. Um, he contributed in dozens and dozens of ways over three, more than three years of work. Um, he had uh, brilliant insights of his own uh, to contribute to it, but also, I think, um, uh, contributed a great deal of scientific craft to to producing the end result, to the building the the, the apparatus that produced the the, the great experiment. So, um, you know, there's there's no question in my mind uh, that he was a Uh, contributed to an experiment that marked what the Nobel Committee called an epoch in science. Um, And uh, as I say, I think statues and streets um, would not be out of place here.
0: One of the things that Walton and his team did was they created what was effectively the first particle accelerator. So in a sense, they're grandfathers of the work that we're now seeing in CERN with the search for Higgs boson and so on. That's right, isn't it?
2: It is, uh, absolutely. I think um, uh, there's a slight tendency to, to link, there is a tendency to link this work, and there was back in 1932, with, with bombs and with um, uh, uh, nuclear energy, nuclear reactors. But actually, the, it is if it's the direct ancestor of anything, it is the um, Large Hadron Collider at, um, at CERN in, in, uh, on the Swiss-French uh, border. Uh, this is where the effort... Uh, that the, the they were working on in 1932 um, is is now pursued. It's it's the same science, and uh, I mean I, I know physicists who've worked on work, worked with CERN, worked in on you know the big accelerators there, and they acknowledge absolutely this direct linear descent from the Cockcroft, Cockcroft and Walton machine. Professor Cathcart, thank you very much.
0: It wouldn't be a real party without a sing-along, so the gathering was treated to several science and mathematics-themed songs. So to close this report, The Elements Song by Tom Lehrer, sung by Charles de Lapp accompanied by Fiacre Therese. No pressure! <laughs> There's
3: antimony, arsenic, aluminum, and selenium, hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen and medium, feel. zirconium, potassium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, and and indium, and gallium, and iron, and thorium, and thulium, and pallium There's yttrium, ytterbium, actimium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. and cerium and cesium, and lettuce, iodinium, and platinum, plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium, and tantalum, technetium, titanium, zirconium, and cadmium, calcium, and chromium, and curium. There is sulfur, californium, fermium, berkelium, and also bendelivium, einsteinium, rubidium, and argon, tripton, neoplaton, zen, zinc, and rubidium, and taurine, carbon, bubbles, carbon, tungsten, and sodium. <laughs> The news has come to Harvard, <laughs> and many of the others, but they haven't been discovered. <laughs> <laughs>